Hello, welcome to this week's From the Rookery. My name is John. Uh, with me is Jason. Hello there. And Michael. Uh, good day to you. And, uh, well, well, where are we, Michael? We are at the uh, wonderful Watford Palace Theatre um, as we await the latest instalment of the fabulous Tales from the Vicarage Live. Uh, it's going to be... A, a, well, you say fabulous, Michael. At the moment, we're backstage. Uh, not a particularly fabulous room. Not massively glamorous, I have to say, but uh, we are rubbing shoulders with some of the uh, protagonists from the evening. They're just walking past, so there is definitely a bit of glamour, but yeah, okay. there's a lot of sawdust, paint, various bits of machinery... Um, but yeah, it's all part of it, isn't it? Showbiz, showbiz, baby. <laughs> from the from the audience later on, they'll see a much more slicker uh, thing that we can see backstage. But it's always weird seeing the, the puppet strings. Jason, we, we've got a, as as normal with these tales of the Vicarage events that Adam uh, Leventhal puts together uh, a host of uh, former Watford players. Who is on the the list uh, tonight? Well, we've got young Paul Robinson <laughs> from the Rookery End legend Sean Dyche who if not already on his hat-trick performance probably uh, is is tonight if we get him it'll be his fifth it'll be fifth wow there you go you see Richard Lee we have the uh, my missus favourite Richard Johnson um, and we have the the man of the evening Alec Chamberlain yeah because Alec just left the club a couple of uh, months ago after 21 years uh, as, a, as a player and as a coach at Watford um, and hopefully we'll, he, we'll get some great stories um, uh, at tonight during the event Mike we will. I mean, it's always talking about glamour and showbiz. It's always a case of grabbing who we can grab. So we'll try and get as many uh, as we can. But yeah, like you say, I think if we can, it'd be great to, to to talk to Alec Chamberlain just because of the sheer amount of time he spent at Watford at Vicarage Road about the amount of change. You couldn't almost you almost couldn't make up the stuff that's happened during during Alec's te- tenure at Watford. So it'd be great to get hold of him. But yeah, really looking forward to the evening. And yeah, fantastic stuff. Uh, like I say, Adam gives us uh, lovely access to the, to the events and we'll hopefully speak to as many of the, of the protagonists uh, of, uh, of the evening uh, as we go on uh, in this episode of From the Rooker End. A podcast made by Watford fans, fans for Watford fans from the Rookery End. We are joined on From the Rookery End pre-Tales from the Vicarage Live uh, by Richard Lee. Richard, how are you? I'm very well. Excited about tonight? I am. Yeah, no, I don't really know what to expect, but coming here, it's quite a nice buzz. Good to see a few of the... Uh, a few of the lads again, so yeah, it should be good. And I would ask if you're nervous going on stage, but of course we'll get this out of the way nice and early. Bit of a TV personality back in the day with your appearance on Dragon's Den. Um, did you get a lot of stick for that? Uh, loads. Um, of course, that doesn't compare to this, though. This is a level above. Uh, no, yeah, I still get a little bit of stick. Even now, I think I'm still better known for that than I was for my Watford career. So I think that's a bit unfair. <laughs> I think that's a bit. Unfair. Yeah, I'd say there is a serious side to that, though. You know, obviously, you were you thinking about what to do outside of football from an early age. Um, how important is that to a, to a footballer about what they should do once uh, once the career's finished? Yeah, do you know what? It's interesting now. Like, I would give. The advice that it is important that you, concern, you consider what is next, but at the same time, don't take your focus away from the football. Like The one thing I look back, and I probably made the decision too soon to focus on stuff elsewhere, and uh, that and a combination of injuring every limb in my body uh, ended up uh, yeah, meaning that I probably cut my career a little bit shorter than I should. Um, but no, it is important. I mean, you, you see now the average career length is so short. Uh, that really, if you haven't put any thought into it, then it could catch you, catch you on a word. We need to talk about your Watford career, and we'll ask an obvious question first up. 
you've got a favourite moment and perhaps a, a least favourite moment from your, from your days at Vicarage Road? I mean, favourite moment would be a couple in the, the Premier League year in particular. Um, you know, away at Man City was a, was a great night. And uh, yeah, there was, oh God, there was so many, like even smaller games that weren't necessarily big moments for other people. Uh, you know, I've looked back and times when I was able to win over Eddie Boothroyd, which at the time was, was a big challenge, and to be able to be involved in that and play as many games as I did for him and all the different managers and players that I met. And worst moment, simple, Hull City, uh, losing in that game. Yeah, lowest moment of my career probably. You mentioned Eddie Boothroyd there, and that sort of aborted attempt really to get to get back into the Premier League in that second season. It all looked so good up until West Brom. You can see over the, my shoulder, uh, Robbo there probably uh, remembers that one well as well. What was that like? I mean, I remember that was really tough as a supporter to watch the sort of the way that that season disintegrated. Can you put your finger on on what happened? It just went a bit toxic, if I'm honest. It was you know so positive going into the Premier League, and obviously the Premier League season didn't go as hoped. But you know we were always up against it. But then I think the following season, with the pressure being what it was, and the atmosphere had just changed, and some of the maybe some of the players that came in didn't quite fit the environment, I guess. Um, and suddenly it had gone from this environment of underachievers creating and uh, this this dynamic that we had between us that was so positive and this learning environment so it just wasn't that really and you know we did have that one chance probably should have got automatic we were there or thereabouts for most of the season obviously tailed away towards the end and couldn't do it in the playoffs and the following season it was yeah that season wasn't so bad it was the following season then when I think we missed out and you could tell like obviously uh, things had changed at the club the money wasn't quite maybe what it was, I assume, the season before, and it, it just wasn't a good atmosphere at all. You spent some time out on loan as well, mm. including uh, a move to Premier League Blackburn whilst mm. Watford were in the Championship. What was the thinking behind that move? Uh, it was just simply that I met with AD when he came, and he was very honest with me and just said that you're not my type of keeper. You know, you want someone that's 6'4 and kicks it 80 yards, and I'm 5'11 and I chip it to the halfway line. So uh, I wasn't really for him, which was fine. Um, at the time, my goalkeeper coach, who you know, really liked me and told me I was going to be England's number one and all that, he went to Blackburn, so he said, come with me, which I did. Um, and that, it wasn't ideal, because I got from playing every week in the champ to then not really being involved up there. It actually went reasonably well, um, in a weird way. And, you know, they did make me an offer at the end of that season. But during that time, obviously, Watford got promoted, and I saw that there was a slight chance of coming back, plus being back near family and friends and all that. It was a bit of a no-brainer to come back. But yeah, that was the reason. It was knowing that I would have struggled that season under AD and I had a, I had a realistic chance of progressing under someone I knew really rated me. You managed to make a bit of a name for yourself as a bit of a penalty king. Saved plenty of penalties in your, in your career. How did that come about? Is that training? Is that a scientific approach, knowing who's going to be taking the penalties against you? Or is it a bit of good old-fashioned luck? Yeah, just luck. Just luck. <laughs> no, to be honest, you know, it is luck. I think it's... I give this advice to kids now. It's if you if you make a decision which way you're going to go, just make sure you dive all out. Like there's nothing worse than going the right way and just missing it. Because really, like if you go a little bit early and you dive full out, you should cover most of the goal if you're powerful enough. So yeah, I think it was just that. It was just being really positive, expecting to save every penalty that I faced, and uh, yeah, I had a pretty good record in the end. And you mentioned uh, it was AD wanting six foot four keepers and big units that can launch it. Now it feels like it's gone back to sort of you want footballers not just in defence but footballers in goal now. Would you fancy your chances now? Do you know what? Yes and no. You're right. Goalkeeping's changed, and I, I love where it's going. De Gea, Edison. You see the type of goalkeeper now. Distribution is everything. They're a different shape to what they were from the maybe the Shilton era and what have you. And goalkeeping has evolved. Um, 
which is it's a chance for me to plug my goalkeeping schools now, isn't it? There you go. Uh, no, so this is what we this is what we teach though. It's, it's different now. Seventy percent of what you do is with your feet. You know, it's not with with your hands. So I think a lot of teams are realising that the best goalkeepers are the ones that contribute to the team as much as they do, not just making saves. That being said, whether I'd have fared better, I don't know because my distribution wasn't great, and uh, it, it would have been very different now. I think, yeah. We'll just touch a little bit more on your Watford career. Let's. I'm going to put you on the spot. Is there a Watford player? Who's the best? Who's the best defender to have in front of you? Do you know the one who I? I wouldn't say necessarily the best, but I've got so much time for admiration for because of what he's still doing is Eddie Mariapa. Just the fact that you know he got released pretty much. Uh, he did get released as a 16-year-old at Watford, and now still at the age of 30 odd, playing in the Premier League as a five foot eleven centre back. Like what he's done is you know phenomenal. Um, so. Knowing him as I do and the amount of effort and hard work and everything he puts in, I've got so much time for him as a, uh, a role model and, and someone that yeah, I still speak to and meet regularly and, yeah, fantastic what he's done. And you've mentioned the, the difficulty of having a clash with a, with a head coach. You know, I'm assuming you keep an eye on Watford and what's, what's been going on over the past years. How difficult is it going to be for the current squad to deal with these sort of fairly relative... Uh, frequent changes in head coach. How, how difficult is that as a professional? Uh, it is, but again, football's changed. Like, I think now the head coach seems to be interchangeable. You know, It seems like a lot of the other stuff remains the same, and that's the one that comes in and out. And I think now it's, I don't know, it's almost a bit of a surprise if a manager lasts more than a year somewhere. So, yeah, I think had that been back in our day, that would have been really difficult to deal with. I think now the players and coaching staff are a little bit more detached, and it's a bit more of a business as opposed to what it, the, the dynamic that it used to be. And you've, you've already talked about your goalkeeper coaching that you're doing at the moment. Mm. Have you ever thought about going into, into being a manager or a head coach? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's no, just so, no, I haven't. I, I, do you know what? What I do is, and I, I love working with goalkeepers because I get it. I've had the highs, I've had the lows. Uh, the psychological stuff you go through, the nerves, and similarly, the, you know, the, the, the great games and the great moments that you can have. So the bit that I really enjoy is actually working with individuals, uh, professionals, and maybe helping them a little bit with their mindset becoming that little bit more positive and um, yeah I don't, that's what I get a buzz out of so whether that's a 10 year old that's trying to be that little bit better for their Sunday league team or it's uh, I work with a couple of championship goalkeepers yeah it's, it's, uh, it's a nice feeling to know that I'm playing a small part in helping them in areas that maybe I wasn't so good myself and we mentioned just to wrap up uh, Richard we mentioned your entrepreneurial spirit at the start of the, the interview I'm almost certain you've got a few irons in the fire at the moment so what's going on in the, uh, in the world of Richard Lee at the moment yeah no, do you know what's ended up happening is I've actually come yeah, for all the different directions I went I ended up coming back to goalkeeping so we've got about 70 I think it's 74 goalkeeping schools now worldwide and uh, working with goalkeepers and a bit of media work so bits on uh, Sky uh, and a radio station that I work with so it's it's really goalkeeping a little bit of media um, yeah and I get a real buzz from it and that's I've realised that's my lane and I plan to stick in it there's, there's, The boys are gathered behind us at the moment they're signing a few books so you need, I know you need to go and join them is there, is there a particular story you might be worried about coming out from any of the chaps in? There's one and I cannot say Alright well we'll wait and see Richard thanks so much for joining us enjoy the evening no, Thanks a lot Cheers guys
delighted to be joined uh, ahead of tonight's Tales from the Vicarage event with Richard Johnson. How are you doing, Richard? Yeah, very well, thank you. Last-minute substitute, but I'm um, glad to be here. Nothing wrong with being a last-minute sub, is yeah. it? You make an impact, can't you? Yeah, that's it. Ahead of tonight's, uh, t- uh, tonight's event, how are you feeling? Looking forward to it? Yeah, I've heard good, good things about it. It's a great night for Chamber, really, to dedicate his years of service. He's, he's been fantastic, so yeah, it should be, a, should be a good night. Just to take you back to the right back to the start of your Watford career, could you, what are your happiest memories from... Uh, from your what for time at Vicarage Road? God, so many, mate. Uh, just making my debut at 17 was uh, away at Cambridge. That was pretty special. Um, and then, obviously, the the sort of two promotions that we had, I don't think they can be beaten. Uh, playing at Wembley, winning 2-0 against Bolton was, um, yeah, well up there. You talk about uh, sort of making your debut and sort of going back to the very start. You came over from Australia to try and make it as a professional. How much pressure did you put yourself under to, to make it as a pro? Not too much, to be honest with you. I, I, I didn't sort of hold out too many hopes. Um, I'd come over probably about a year earlier and trialled at Liverpool and Middlesbrough as well and got told that I wasn't good enough. So went back home and then wrote some more letters and uh, came back and gave it another go. And, um, yeah, I started off at Tottenham, to be fair, and uh, they let me go, said they couldn't offer me anything, and then it was a blessing going to Watford and stayed there for many years. And it, it took a little while for, for you to become a Watford regular, and of course it was it was GT who yeah. who started using you regularly. How much looking back does that mean to you that it was the Graham that gave you gave you that opportunity? Oh, with, without a doubt, as you say, I was just a sort of in and out of the team, wasn't a regular. Um, but he came back and showed a bit of faith in me and gave me a good run of games. And um, yeah, I, I owe him everything. To be fair, for for my Watford career, he was uh, fantastic. You uh, had a reputation for scoring some great long-range goals. You even won goal of the season one season, I think. Back in 94. 94 against Wolves. <laughs> yeah. Yep. How many goals did you actually score from inside the box? I think two. Um, one was a tackle, I think, at home, <laughs> at home to Blackpool. And then one was on the goal line away at Tottenham. I think Ben Iroa had a shot and it come off the crossbar and bounced yeah, down. and yeah, yeah, so only two, I think. But I didn't score many. <laughs> Bun- Bunyan Ben, yeah, eh? Bunyan ben, yeah. um, did you ever get to see the, the famous Bunyans when he took his socks off? Or? <laughs> yeah, well, he never played again after that, did he? He had to retire. He, um, yeah, the, I don't think it went down went too well. <laughs> uh, we mentioned goal of the season. It wasn't against Luton, the goal of the season, but you obviously scored a, one of your famous pile drivers at, at Kenilworth Road. That's every Watford supporter's dream. How was it for you? Yeah, what well, what a day that was, wasn't it? Four 0 up in half an hour. It couldn't have gone any better. Um, that was probably one of my weakest shots ever on my left foot as well. I think it got a slight deflection. So, but no, to get a get a goal there and uh, what a day! I think Pete Kennedy got two, didn't yeah. he? Yeah. yeah, it was fantastic. And Di Thomas, I think, got his head ripped off at half time for taking off his shirt. He didn't have the best body, Di. <laughs> and um, I think GT uh, gave him a hammering at half time. Uh, you mentioned Peter Kennedy and Di Thomas. They knew how to celebrate as well, didn't they? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Richard just giving us a nod, saying we're not going to get any more information on that on that particular topic. So we had, we talked the promotion, and obviously we had the Premier League season. Unfortunately, you got that 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 really bad injury. Can you talk us talk us through from the highs to, to the lows? What's that like as a pro footballer? Devastating, really. To be fair, I, I didn't get sort of a good run of game. Well, I, I played a few, to be fair, but. Um, you look forward to it so much, the build-up for pre-season and everything. I think it was third game in, wasn't it? Liverpool away, and um, 
I did my knee ligaments and then I, I got another injury later on in, in the season. But um, listen, I look back with fond memories of that. It was a dream come true to play in the Premier League. Although it was short-lived, <laughs> it was good. <laughs> you made it. And are you able, you, you're genuinely able to feel that even, although it was a, a, a curtailed sort of experience, you, as it, you'd sort of, you can tick it off your, your bucket list sort of thing? Yeah, listen, mate, I'm from a small country town in northern New South Wales. I think there's a population of about 60,000 people, so to sort of come from there and uh, do what I did I was, I was quite pleased with myself and you got a cap as well you got your Aussie cap yeah I did yep yep played uh, oh, I'd only just got in the side when we got into the Premier League and then at the end of that season I did my knee didn't I so I was out for sort of nearly two years with that um, but no I played a couple of games against Brazil in Australia uh, Czech Republic and uh, Hungary, I think. Chris just spoken to, to Richard Lee before before yeah. the event and talked about some of his colleagues that he's he's played with. You had that amazing partnership with with Micah, didn't you? Yeah. Who would you say would have been the most important player that you've played with, and who's the best player that you've played with? I'd have to say both for Micah. Very skillful, um, silky on the ball. Um, as you say, though, we I think we work well together. I just won the ball and give it to him. <laughs> but no, in that sort of time as well, there was Peter Kennedy, he came on the scene and uh, made, he had a wonderful effort, scored some great goals. Um, and I think we sort of worked well together. But no, I'd say Micah, yeah, for me. Sean, welcome for your fifth appearance here on From the Rooker End. Um, how, how does it feel to make your, your fifth appearance? Very proud, obviously up there with some of my major achievements in football. <laughs> yeah. um, you just uh, first half of the uh, of the evening's been on. You come to life uh, in front of a, a, an audience, but particularly a Watford crowd. How is this Watford gang different? No, I think it's similar in a sense to the Burnley crowd. You know, the the diehard Burnley fans, the diehard Watford fans, they have a connection with the club, and I think. You know the the fans that are here tonight probably have have not forgotten the connection they had have now and had in the past, and I think that allows that bit more freedom to speak to them in you know in a, in a manner that they wouldn't see on the TV necessarily. You know, be a bit more loose and have a bit of fun, and unfortunately throw some swear words. I'm partial to the old <laughs> swear word. Unfortunately, I do apologise for that, and I did apologise this evening for that. But you know, it's authenticity, and I think if you're going to agree to do these things, then then you know, try and let them see what you what you are. You know, it's it's much more difficult in in live media for obvious reasons. We all understand that. Um, but the big thing for me tonight is because Alex here, and he's a good friend, and he's a great goalkeeper and a great servant to the club. Yeah, you mentioned swearing. Only one person connected to Watford sworn actually on the podcast. Can you guess who that was? Oh, connected Watford. Mm. Only one Watford player has ever sworn oh, on the podcast. On this podcast, yeah. Oh, right. Okay. Uh, no, I can't. He was a goalkeeper. Well, it's not Al. Impossible. No, no. Impossibly, be Al. I don't know. Gwenny Gilmartin. Oh yeah, yeah. Silly me, silly me. Yeah, that's a fair one. Every other word within mine. Um, no, no. To be fair, it's hard though because. Um, podcast, you know, I did Joey Barton's recently and I swore a couple of times that, but uh, but that was because I wanted it to be authentic and I said to Joe, look, yeah, it can't be all pure and he agreed, so they let it go out with a couple of swear words on, some people complained, but some said, well, no, it was appropriate to the moment, you know, so I'm not going to swear now, but I think this is appropriate, you know, in theory, anyway, I don't know, I, I did apologise if there was any children in, but you know, it's an adult audience and they, they, they want to they want to connect with what we really are, These, not just me, by the way, the lads who are here, you know, they want to connect with that, not yeah. not... It's, that's what they pay for. It's the reality of what we are, what we've experienced, part of being at Watford and part of the history of Watford. So we try and just give them that. If, if you're in Adam's shoes, it's going to be Sean Dyche hosting uh, Tales of the Vicarage, the next one. Which two uh, former Watford players or existing Watford players would you have as your guests and why? Oh, goodness me. That's a tough one on the spur at the moment. Um, 
I don't know. I mean, I still speak with Neil Ardley. I think he's had an interesting time at Watford and sort of pre-Watford sort of part of the old crazy gang, then Watford, then what he's doing now. Um, but I think that would be different because I still speak to him now, mainly on management terms. Chambo's the same, you know, I spoke to Chambo. And Chambo, let's face it, his history of the club and how many years he's been here, there's bound to be stories, as there has been tonight, some very good insights, and some which I don't know, of course, because I came along, you know, sort of middle, middle-ish of, of his time at Watford. I think it's too difficult. I play with some real characters, um, good players. You know, I think it's so, so difficult to hit me with that one on the spur of the moment. So I've not really answered your question, but anyway. <laughs> them, them two would at least do. Coxie, oh, you know, I got away with Coxie. always had a dry comment, a good good bit of banter about him, you know, and various players. There's so many. I, I enjoyed my time. I really enjoyed my time at Watford. Here we go, then. Here's an easier one. What do we need to do with Andre to get him going? <laughs> well, I've got nothing but, but good things to say about Andre. You know, I loved having him around as a character, um, his pace, his power. Um, we we maybe played a, a way that suited him more, I don't know, but I still think he's got enough about him to come back and do well for Watford. But I've got nothing but good things to say about him. He was terrific for me, on the pitch and off the pitch. No, knowing him as you do, how will he be? And I know this is tough to talk about a player you've got a good relationship with, but um, how will he be finding it? Not 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 firing on the pitch and, and not not being not being picked regularly. Well, it's a, it's a different scenario, isn't it? You know, different group of players, different um, team connections. You know, that, that different culture, different environment. How do you how do you define it? You know, different managers, by the way. Don't forget. You know, in such a short space of time, you sign a club, you have different managers, different players, a lot of different players come in and out of Watford Football Club. He was at a club in Brentford, which was pretty solid. In fact, if you go back to um, Nastilia at uh, Luton, very solid. Come to uh, went to Brentford, very solid. You know, group of players, all sort of familiar, know each other. Come to Burnley, solid group of players. And now he's got a revolving group of players. You know, lots of changes, lots of changes management-wise. And they, you know, that, that can change a player. But I hope, I really hope he does really well, because I've got n- nothing but good things to say about it. That's, that's You've mentioned, and, and a lot of it is tongue-in-cheek, and you're a great sense of humour, we've seen that in, in action tonight, but about the sort of that revolving door at Watford and the, the, the constant change with the head coaches, do you think that poses a problem for potentially attracting players in the future? If they're thinking, right, I'm going to get in on board with this head coach, going to be picked, going to score goals, then I need to worry about doing it all over again in six, eight, ten months' time. I think players are all different. I really do. I, I think some will think about things like that. I think some you know, everyone in life's different. Some some will go for contract only, some will go for connections, some will go for future progress, some will go for coaching, some will go for managing. You know, there's so, so many different things. So I can't I can't honestly answer for every single player that comes into Watford Football Club. But most will know. It's not like they don't know. You know, the last few years have made it clear how Watford's model um, works. So I think most players will have a knowledge of that and then it's up to them whether they sign or not. Tonight's all about Alec, and you've spoken on stage already about your great friendship with him. How important has that been in terms of your career? Well, he was a friend as a player, and obviously, um, you know, playing alongside him. And then um, when I became coach, he was always around because I was with the youth system. Um, then obviously going up the ladder through the system, and then eventually managing with Alec. But he's always been honest. I think that's one of his overriding values. He'd always give you a view. He'd always be sensible with his view and have thought it through. Um, so that's been really important to me um, and as a player as well I was full on as a player you know but he's he's got kind of the opposite balance so he knew when to approach me in the right way to keep me steady and he knew as a manager as well and I still use him for opinion now in def- different ways and as a friend as well you know friend of me my family my wife um, just an all-round great guy and I mean that sincerely you know it's, it's not just about his professional work it's about him as a bloke you're currently the highest placed English manager uh, in the Premier League 
One, how do you think England will get on at the World Cup this summer? And two, is the national job something you'd be particularly interested in in the future? It's far too early for me now to even think about it. No, I mean that sincerely. I, I think Gareth's one of the, probably the extremes in the other way where his knowledge has been from inside of the FA and maturing inside of the FA. Um, but I'm sure ideally he'd have had more sort of miles on the clock, if you like, you know, varying circumstances of management. But, uh, but I must make it clear, I like him as a bloke and I think he's a good manager. And I think I really hope he does well. Um, for me, far too early. I, 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 I think you need years of... Um, understanding the job and the role um, so it's not even in my, my thinking now um, as regards England and the World Cup I think it's a mixed bag I think he's been brave in some of his selections and he's mixing the, the group and he's looking at some of the, the future prospects and almost beyond this World Cup but in a, in a not in a I don't think in a way to throw this World Cup away and just go oh well it doesn't matter because of course it matters but I think he's going look this is where we're at this is some of the realities of where we're at and the group we're working with. We need to develop these players and bring them forward, and that will have to be in competitive level, which is going to be a World Cup. Um, and therefore, in theory, grow from this World Cup no matter what happens. We all hope they do well, of course, and then be stronger to you know, move forward. So I, I think that seems from the outside looking in what his thinking is, and I hope that goes well. You spoke to us previously about your, uh, your rock and roll you know, mates, your Kasabian. What's Alex's choice like when it comes to driving the car? Was he a good choice of no, music? No, he's good. He's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He likes, he's got a good mix, I think. We, we both like a bit of the old school kind of 80s stuff, but he's got a good idea on uh, sort of modern, you know, sort of, I don't know what the trendy name is, but rock, if you like, you know, indie rock, that sort of thing. No, 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 he's good. He's good. Got a good, good mix, a good ear for, good ears, as you've seen, um, but a good ear for music as well. Well, while we're on the music, I think we once uh, nicknamed you Stone Cold uh, Sean Dyche from the WWF, the uh, immortal wrestler. He's very good, Sean, so it's, uh, it's praise. If you're a wrestler, what music would your theme tune be to come out to? Oh, it must be something like... Um, Although it's a bit slow starting, but like Enter Sandman by Metallica or something like that, you know what I mean? It's a bit of a long build-up, but I think in wrestling nowadays you can probably have a bit of that, can't you? Especially in American-style wrestling. I'm going to Sweden to see Metallica, actually, in a month. Is there any players you want me to check out while I'm over there? Uh, No, but I've seen Metallica, and if you can get past the first hour and a half, it all just sounded really heavy, really fast, and then they play the encore, which are the three songs that I knew, Um, (laughs) but still very enjoyable, so uh, I hope you enjoy it. We're the Orns, you're the Orns. Uh, Paul, you've just come off stage yes. uh, in front of a Watford crowd. Um, yeah. You've come back a few times, uh, but what was it like being out there t- uh, tonight? Oh, it's amazing, amazing out there. But we're celebrating a, go- a great guy in Alec, um, true friend. Um, there's, n- there's nothing, there's no bad word you can say about him. He's, a, he's an unbelievable professional. He's a, he's a humble guy, great guy, and I got a lot of time for Alec. So it was great for me to come down here and celebrate this night with him. As a, as a defender, how important is the keeper behind you to, to sort of trust him, to know him and to, to rely on him? How important is that for you? Yeah, it's very important for me. Um, I think your keeper's always the starter for you, um, especially when the ball's obviously in their defending half and they're coming forward. And he's, a constant, he's a constant voice for the back four because you need to know where your position is wise um, and Alec will always be that. He was always great for me, uh, learning the game and wanting to improve and I'd always hear him encouragement and, and telling me where I should be. So, yeah, great, 
for me, keepers are the most important people in the team sometimes. Just to look at your, your what for credit, Paul, I keep calling you Paul, it's Robbo. Would you mind if we call you Robbo? Um, so, yeah, I've always wanted to say that, well, Robbo. Um, you had an amazing career at Watford, but it felt like you were pinched from us a little bit. Can mm. you just talk to us a little bit about how that was, how that move came about and how it felt for you? Because obviously you're a local boy, um, the club means a lot to you, as we can see from tonight. So what, what was that move like for you? It was very sad at the time. Um, obviously the financial difficulties was not helping the club. Um, a, a young player in themselves who was uh, they looked at was hot property and I had no option I had no say in, in the decision whatsoever I received a phone call saying you've just been sold to West Brom and I thought it was a joke we'd just moved house me and my wife and we'd, we'd had a little our little boy Luke at the time the youngest and it was difficult times yeah it was a, it was a place where all our families were and, and to be told that you were sold and you had to go for your medical and you had to go and speak to them the day after it was tough times for us yeah it was very tough but like you say it's it, nowadays in football these happen it happens all the time and and you, and you do players sort of they sort of just get on with it but for me obviously from from leaving your hometown where all your families are both sets of families um it was it was it was a difficult time for us at the thing that we as a, as a Watford fans of football support are walking out in your club's colours at Wembley oh, can you remember that and yeah, what, what fantastic like? I mean I said it on there I was so nervous because obviously Gibbo had played in the second leg of the semi-final and it, and it, it was between me and him and, and obviously Graham made the decision to go with me um, but like the, like the Gibbo that he is, he was very professional. He was encouraging before the game, and you're playing on the big, big you're playing on the big biggest pitch and, and and the biggest tournament. Like like you say, the playoff final is is, a, is an amazing place to play, and the atmosphere was electric, and you you could feel the nerves for everyone, not just us, but the Bolton players as well, because we've beaten them twice that season in the league. So us to look across at them during during the tunnel walkout, it was a it was quite a moment because you could see a few of their faces were not wanting it. And we could sense that. And like Alex said, the, the first 10 minutes of the game, obviously they had a little bit of the ball, a bit of possession to try and calm their nerves down. But then after that, we were on top and, and we were deserved winners in the ends. But I mean, what an occasion. And, and, and like you say, the week before I'd been called up for the England under 21, so I knew. Um, so it was an even bigger buzz for me to sort of get promoted and then shoot off. Obviously, I couldn't celebrate, but to go and represent your country under 21's level was, a, again, for me, was another highlight. Consummate professional, you wouldn't have been out celebrating anyway, would you? You'd have been there. Nah, nah. <laughs> you're at the other end of your career now. Yes. Uh, you're about to retire. Now, when my mum retired, she got a camper van, not caravan, <laughs> uh, and she went to India. What? What's the? What? What? Are you can do anything massive well, at the end. Birmingham are going to buy me a camper van. So, <laughs> uh, I'm not too sure. I'd love my coaching. I'd love to stay in the game at, at some capacity, and I would like to be a manager. Um, I've done all my badges, so I'm all ready to go. Um, I've got my team, like you do, my preparation of the formations that I want to play, my team around me that I want. So I'm all, I'm all ready for that. And, and I think you have to be because the way the game's changing now and, and, and the way that the football world is, you've got to be ready for everything that's thrown at you. Um, so for me, it's about being on top and being ready for that. When, when the opportunity comes is to take it. Um, if I get offered a job, then it's a no-brainer. I think you have to take it now because if you don't, then you're out of the game. People start to forget about you and, and you are, you get lost. Um, and, and I've been in the game 22 years. I've, I've played the game a long time. So to sort of just throw that away to turn an opportunity down would be very difficult for me to say no. How long have you had that in your head? How many years? How long? Many Five years now I've had that all planned, yeah. yeah I've, I've always been a forward thinker. I've always enjoyed a challenge. Um, and I've always been mentally ready for anything that's thrown at me. So... For me now, I've always, that final hurdle, I've made the decision of retirement. I think that's the biggest one, is, is to announce it. Um, I've got through that, um, I've put that out there. Um, and now for me, now is my next challenge and, and what's, there, what's out there for me.
I don't I think we need to say congratulations on what has been a, an amazing career. We've enjoyed seeing you play at Bolton and Birmingham and, and West Brom. We always look out for you. But you talk about being ready, mentally ready. Mm. You were physically ready for everything during your, your career as well. And we had a little joke out there out there front there about how many yellow cards you had and stuff. And, you know, as Watford fans, and I'm sure the, the, the fans of the other clubs you play for, all loved seeing you, mm. you steaming in and clattering players but um were you ever concerned about sort of that reputation as a sort of like a t- you know a, you're a tough guy basically weren't you yeah. and did you ever think oh I, d- I don't really want to be perceived in that and I know you talked about changing your game a little bit yeah you do I think like like I said you do have to change your game with the, the quality of player that's now over the years that have played in the Premier League and the Championship they've got better and better each year so you do you have to you have to try and change your game try and stay on your feet a lot more and, and try to defend the proper way but like you say when you w- used to watch the old football the proper way was a good hard tackle and that's what I used to that's what I was growing up on so for me to sort of change my game I had to sort of bring that out a little bit but still do it but in a different way that was not to get caught as much as what, <laughs> as what I did um, and, and like I said win the ball first before the, and, then, and then go through on the player but yeah obviously I have a few regrets over my career of certain people have come off unfortunately um, on the other end of it and you do you think about that as well and, uh, and it is it's, you, don't, you never want to go out and see another professional be in that state and, and, and be hurt by you um, so you have to open your eyes a little bit and realise that yes I do love the game of football and I had to improve myself as a player and, and, and turn into and, and, and be better quality wise as well and, and I felt I did over the years I improved my quality I improved my defending um, and like you say 22 years in the game is it's a fantastic stint for me and and uh, I've enjoyed every minute of it. You've come back to Watford sort of today. Yes. How close did you get did you get to ever coming back to Watford as a player? I did when AD was manager and and they got promoted again to the Premier League. Uh, he, he called me and said that we're putting an offer in for you. Um, I, I don't know what the offer was. I um, wasn't too sure. He said, look, we want you to come back. Um, you're a title player. I needed my team. So I want you to come and play for me. And that's as far as it got. West Brom obviously refused. He turned the offer down. Um, and they said no. He's he's our player, and and they offered me a new contract. And it, like you say, it's it is tough. It, it's tough when you when your home club come back in for you, but then they they'd sold you for reasonings that you didn't really want to leave for. Um, and and my heart was torn a little bit because I'd then moved my family, and they was all settled, and I didn't want to move them back. I, I didn't want to unsettle them again at such a short space of time. Is, is I didn't want that disturbance in my child's life. I wanted him to be settled. I wanted him to... Karen had just met new friends as well, so it had been difficult for her as well. I, you have to look at the bigger picture, and my bigger picture was about my family and, and how that would have changed them as well. Well, we're glad you came back to Watford for tonight. Paul, thanks so thank much you. for joining. It's been an absolute pleasure. Cheers. Thank you very much for having me. So it gives us great pleasure to be uh, joined by the star of the show, I think it's fair to say, Mr Alec Chamberlain. Alec, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, it's nice of you to say that. When Deutsch's about, you can't say that. You know, <laughs> Now he's gone home, we can say that, can't we? Yeah, we, can, we can finally get a word in, in Edgeways. Yeah. I think that was, a, that was a really enjoyable, interesting, entertaining evening. How did you find it personally? Yeah, we all enjoyed ourselves. Um, I think Adam makes it very comfortable on the stage as well, and obviously the... The people that come here are obviously um, very pro Watford and very pro what we've all done, sort of thing. So it's a it's a it's a nice audience and um, yeah, really good fun and nice to see everybody together again. Really, as you were talking there th- this evening, I was thinking about what you've seen at Watford and what you've been involved in, what you've experienced. So there's been promotions, there's been relegations, there's been managerial carnage, there's been Bassini, there's been the Pozzos, there's been yeah. this and that. Can you sum up? 
your Watford career? Colourful, <laughs> I think. Um, that, yeah, that was just your kit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's hard to actually to put it into into words. I, I, I think. I think we were going to try and get to that out there, but it, it, it got, it, we got too late in the first half. Uh, and so, as I said, I think the club has, in, in many ways, I'm obviously look, I look back with great pride and great um, happiness. The, 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 my 21 years, in some re- respects, I feel slightly um, sad that it's not the club that it, I don't think it was. You know, when I first came for the first 10 years, it, I think it has lost a little bit of that sort of community spirit that we. I think, and I think there was a lot better connection with the players and the supporters when I did play. Maybe that's uh, me looking through rose-tinted glasses I don't know but I feel that because we had a lot of, lot of players maybe coming through the system and uh, it just seems that we, we, we cared for the club a bit more I don't know maybe that's just my, my take on it but uh, progress as, as Daichi was saying progress business it's, it's a different it's a different kind of football now isn't it let's be honest just to go back onto your, onto your career Alec I think most people remember those saves at St Andrews um, well, everyone with, with, the Watford, uh, with the Watford interest will remember those saves at St Andrews. I leant across to Jason, who sat next to one, they came up on the, on the screen. I still feel sick watching them today, even though I, the, the, the tension surrounding that night was just febrile. It was just absolutely impossible to describe, your heart beating out, out of your chest. How on earth does that feel to play, play in a game like that? It was pretty intense because we didn't get off to a very good start in every sense really before the game we got stuck in traffic we didn't have a police escort for a game like that was ludicrous so we were late getting there late for warming up and and that showed the way the game started really and I don't think we really gave a a true reflection of what we were about on the night that said it it made a a platform for for me to obviously ultimately probably have the game of my career for Watford and then for it to go to penalties, and then obviously my, my fantastic record at penalties was, was, was uh, quite rightly ridiculed tonight. Would, um, you, would you care to repeat that for those that weren't here tonight? Uh, Alec, what's, what's your I penalty was, saving record? I think it was 37 against, uh, and I only saved three, and two of those they scored the rebounds with. So that is pretty poor, isn't it? I knew it was bad, I didn't realise it was that bad. One of those nights where almost the outside chaos that was going on you know, around the ground thankfully didn't transmit onto the pitch and everything sort of happened almost like in slow motion you know and it was one of those nights that thankfully most things came off you know after the goal went in everything was pretty good for me that night we talked or you talked a lot on stage about the Fulham game the season before and winning the league there Um, what wasn't mentioned was the last home game of the season against Bournemouth where you started out on pitch for the benefit of Stevie Palmer how did you feel about that I wasn't too comfortable with it, if I'm honest, no, but obviously Graham was Graham and he wanted that record in the uh, Guinness Book of Records um, and there was nobody, no way I was ever going to you know, say no, but it did f- I did feel like a fish out of water and I got presented that night with the Player of the Year and I had an outfield shirt on it and it, again, it just doesn't look right. So I was panicking, the only thing I was panicking about was that Jono made sure he kicked the ball out of play for because um, if he'd have shanked it and the play had actually carried on, I was centre half and Palms was in goal. And obviously we needed to win that game, didn't we? You know, that was we had to win that game to get make sure. So were you, were you more nervous about yourself being out on pitch or about Palmer being in goal? I was probably just panicking about being on pitch, yeah, because um, I knew I could probably get exposed. Yeah, it's fair to say. Yeah, we had to win that game and then obviously give us a chance in the last game at Fulham. So, you know, we, we did the job, thankfully. And, um, 
you know, the Fulham game is one of those that sticks in the mind because we had all that end and the pitch invasion at the end was fantastic. You know, it was nice to be part of. Happy memories, happy memories. And, I mean, 21 years at, at Watford Football Club and you've seen a lot of change in that time and it'd be silly not to mention the, the changes in head coach because it's, it's a hot topic, everyone knows it, we can't, we can't avoid it. When that does happen, how big is the upheaval? Is it just a change of name on the, on the office door and the, the new staff come in? How, how does it feel as a, as a member of staff and a player when a, when a head coach or manager is, is changed? Uh, I think it's um, because obviously I'm not involved in the playing side. The players seem to deal with it amazingly well, I have to say. You know, they seem to roll with the punches, really. I think it's more unsettling for people. You, know, you build up relationships behind the scenes, even if it's... You know, limited because you know that maybe they're not going to be there that long. It's still disappointing. You don't like to see people lose their jobs. Um, I think the atmosphere at times could be better if there was a bit more stability. But you can't say that it hasn't worked. The club keep surviving, and you wouldn't imagine that that is that's the the best way of going about things. But it seems to work somehow by hook or by crook. It's worked so far. And so just some thoughts on the current crop of Watford goalkeepers. We've got, we've got Coralio and there's, there's Backman there who hasn't got much of a look, look in. And then Carnesis has come in and looked, looked pretty solid recently. What are your, your views? Yeah. Well, obviously, Coralio uh, goes without saying. I think he's an he's, he's, uh, amazing goalkeeper and, and what a gentleman as well. Lovely guy. When he went out the side at Everton, obviously, it was, it was difficult, um, a difficult situation. But I think he has done great since then. And... Um, you know, Aurelio has been on the bench now, which is surprising to me from outside looking in. Now, I have to say that he he's, he seems to have played well. I've seen the game at home to West Brom, and I thought he was really solid, really really decent. No, I haven't seen Daniel play a great deal. He played one or two uh, under 23 games when I was there. You know, he looked looked very very competent goalkeeper, which he should be. You know, um, but he hasn't really had a chance yet. So, I think they're in good shape, and I think they've signed a, a Swedish goalkeeper now. Um, 19 year old on a, on a five year contract he must be a bit tasty as well I would imagine so no need for the Alec Chamberlain uh, comeback just yet then sadly that won't be happening no <laughs> I, um, I, I can assure you my hips are in no fit state to be diving around anymore <laughs> well Alec I think on behalf of certainly the, the from the Rookery End podcast I'd like to thank you for, for everything you've done for Watford over the, over the years and uh, good luck with you're with Wales now aren't you yes that's right yeah, yeah I do a bit with, with the under 21s and uh, more of a part-time role, really, but uh, it's good, nice to have a, a bit of balance in life where, you know, dip my toe into the football and play a bit of golf and, and just, you know, generally try a few different things, I suppose, because since I left school, I've been in football all my life. It's quite all-consuming, but it's been fantastic. And um, obviously, from my point of view, the Watford fans have always been amazing to me, so I'd like to say thank you once again to all those. Adam, we, we are here again after another Tales from the Vicarage Live. Uh, different again, uh, but are you in a different place? Are you still as tired and, and drained as you normally are? I feel all right, actually. I feel um, quite sort of energised by the evening because I think everyone was on good form. As we always say, it was, it was different to the, to the last one. It was quite challenging in terms of making sure we, we ticked various people's boxes and, and made sure that people weren't left out especially with Sean in the room, uh, so he can, he can dominate. But I think 
he also managed to, to put a lot of people at ease, just going in straight away, being chippy mm. and, and chirpy, and everyone thought, all right, well, if he's doing that, then I can, yeah. I can follow suit. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. no, I, I, feel, I feel great. And a, a potential disaster averted with the almost towing of a car. Yes, I know. That, that is a Tales from the Vicarage Live first. If you know the Watford Palace Theatre, it is rather tight around the, uh, the back, so to speak. And Paul Robinson was pretty much on his way, wasn't he? He was ready to actually be hauled off the uh, stage and go and have to move his uh, rather wonderful uh, high-end electronic car. But the thing was, I thought, oh, no, just give the keys to someone else. If anyone had got some keys for his uh, Tesla car, they would have gone, well, 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 how the hell do I get into it? I, I don't know. It's like a, like a DeLorean or something. They, they wouldn't have stood a chance to try and move it. So, Mrs. Um, Robbo came to the, uh, to the rescue. Yeah, to the rescue. and uh, Not yeah, for she, the first time, I suspect. Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, she smiled at me after the, after the show, so I was off the hook as well. So uh, all is well. And important, I think, Adam, to recognise, I think Alec, we've just spoken to Alec and we, we called in the star of the show and I think it's right to, to bill him as that. Important to recognise recognise guys like Alec isn't it who you know 21 years at one football club an incredible amount of service and we learnt tonight about the different jobs he's had to do and the way he's had to be, adapt and be malleable with what he does at the football club and his commitment is is evident but I think it's fair to say that when you list your Watford heroes perhaps Alec Chamberlain and I'm sure he'd understand where we're coming from isn't isn't the first one not to, to run off your on, off your off your list but thinking about tonight he really is has been important to Watford, hasn't he, over the last two decades? Yeah, and, and that's what I, I was trying to do with the, uh, with the intro, just um, trying to put a sort of a parallel in there that, you know, we're always there, we're in the crowd, and I just wanted to sort of reflect the fact that, yeah, some players come and go, but some players do stick and they become part of the fabric of the, of the club, and he is one person that has done exactly that and I think it's as you say it's important to to honour players like that and also give them an opportunity often when in this sort of quick fire world that we live in people can move on quickly move on all right yeah I'm doing wells under 21s da 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 let's just take a step back and be able to reflect on such a such a sort of wide-ranging two decades that he had at the football club so yeah I'm glad I'm glad we did it and he enjoyed it and he also rose to the occasion as well his eyes were sparking there at the end which I think is is testament to the event and and to him and his a sort of affinity for Watford just wanted to touch on the work you're doing Adam as well you mentioned during the show about kit aid and mm. and the work that's going on there just take a minute to, to explain to listeners that weren't here tonight what's going on there yeah so the last event that we did back in November obviously launched the latest book that we did which was rocket men and the sales of the books um, saw one pound donated to kit aid and graham taylor was the the former patron of uh, kit aid so it was a charity that was close to his heart and we wanted to obviously do something that had uh, sort of a wholesome element to it when we when we put out rocket men obviously because it was a, a nod to his amazing rise along with those four players uh, up the divisions we're now in a position to sort of reveal where the money's going to be spent. And KitAid have links with a, um, a charity which is based in Malawi, along with loads of others. So there was uh, sort of various charities were, were pitched to us. And uh, we went with this project, which is uh, FOMO, which is the Friends of Malangi Orphans, which is based in Malawi. They help underprivileged kids and obviously orphans to also fund and put together a school out there so as we're publishers and 
books and reading. We want to obviously do something that is wholesome. Uh, we're supplying 600 books to this school, which without this funding wouldn't have the opportunity to have brand new books. And a lot of the kids don't have the opportunity to take books home and study and things like that because they just haven't got the funds themselves to do it. So it's great to be able to do something like that. And I'm going to go out to uh, Malawi later on this year and we'll be able to sort of meet the kids and, and see, hopefully, how, how important this, this donation has been. And it's not, it's not something I've been able to do. It's, it's the support of the, um, the people that have bought Rocketmen, so I can only be thankful to them. And the next book uh, announced tonight uh, to be Tales of the Vicarage, The Captains. Yes. I'm not sure whether exactly how it is it going to be The Captains or just Captain. Mike Walters, who was on the stage to uh, reveal a few of the names that are going to be in the book, uh, going back to Keith Eddy, which is a, a great start to it. Um, there are a couple of other captains. Obviously, Rob Page was, was due to be here this evening, uh, but he is almost fortuitously. He missed out on this one, but then he can be part of the next one. Did, he, uh, did Rob Page welsh out on you? <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> Very good. Very good. Round of applause. No, no one's here. <laughs> um, and uh, Gavin Mann is also going to be part of the book. And a uh, little one, a little exclusive... I'm putting my neck on the line a little bit because he can be a little bit incommunicative. Not as he was in goal for Watford, he was pretty good. Uh, but Manuel Almunia is uh, going to be part of it as well because he's got a story uh, to tell, obviously involved in the greatest goal ever scored by any football team in the entire world, but also post-career and why his career came to such a, a sudden end. And he's working out in the Emirates at the moment, so just tracking him down. But we'll, we'll, we'll get hold of him and he'll hopefully, fingers crossed, be in the book as well. You're known as Sky Sports, Adam Leventhal, event host Adam Leventhal, but above all, most importantly, Watford fan Adam Leventhal. How are you feeling about the Hornets at the moment? Just one more win. That's, I think, all we need. I'm feeling a lot more content and at ease with the current regime. And I got a chance to go to the training ground and and meet some of the players uh, and the new manager as well. And what struck me, which is, I'm not being unfair, but perhaps in direct contrast to the previous incumbent, is that he seems to be a very, very humble guy, Mr Grazia. And that came across. He's here to learn. He's here to build on his experiences already. And I'm hoping that that's coming across to the, the players. It's so difficult sort of speaking after an absolute hammering to Liverpool to try and have a little bit of balance. But I think on the whole, they seem to be doing things better than they were under Marco Silva, especially towards the end. They seem to be thinking about things. But I think my personal opinion is we're just still not quite strong enough defensively. And that's something that's over the last couple of seasons, it's always just been, oh, we're a little bit, we're a little bit dicey. A little bit dicey and we need to... Um, we need to rein that in. And uh, hopefully that can be worked upon. But it's difficult for him to, to just sew up all the holes instantly coming in with, what, 10, 12 games or whatever it was when he, when he came into the side. But I think, look, we picked up some amazing wins. Um, one amazing win and some rather sort of ugly 1-0 wins. But, look, you know, he's done, he's done, he's done all they can ask of him so far. So Watford uh, were a little bit dicey. Tonight we're a little bit dicey. Wow, he's really. <laughs> this is. Well. No, you wait till um, you wait till I've had a good you night's kick. I was thinking of that as I said it, and I thought, I'm never going to say that. That sounds stupid. <laughs> Adam, thank you so much. Congratulations on another brilliant night. It's been uh, a pleasure to be here. Thanks very much. Boys, as always, you're always welcome. Thank you very much. 